Well, it is an honor and privilege to be able to share God's word with you this morning. And uh, as I was praying about this morning and, and today and, and what this would look like, what, God, what do you have for me to share? What are, what are the things that you want me to share to Hope Church and our community? One of the things that God has been working on in my life is just the whole notion and idea of this Christmas season, the fact that Jesus is the light of the world. We, we've talked about the past few weeks from John chapter 1 verse 5 that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can't extinguish it. But what does that mean for you and I as believers today? What does that mean for us heading into 2021 as a church and as individuals? And today we're going to be in Galatians chapter 5, and, and we're going to look at verses 13 through 26. And in this chapter, in the section that we're going to be looking, the Apostle Paul is going to speak to the churches in Galatia. And so most scholars believe that, that Paul writes the book of Galatians not just to, to one church, but to a group of churches that are mainly filled with these new believers. Now, these are, are, are predominantly Gentile believers, so they haven't been raised going to the synagogue. They haven't been raised with all the customs. But what they know is this, that the Apostle Paul has preached to them the message of Christ crucified and God's ability to transform dead lives into new hearts. I love Pastor Sean prayed in the first service, and he said, he said God, would you allow our hard hearts to become fleshy? And I'll, I'll never forget, we used to, growing up, we'd go and do worship at this church in Akron, Akron Bible Church. And, and one pastor, Fred, would get up, and every single time he'd get up, he'd say, Lord, help my heart to be soft. Lord, I want to follow you. And so Paul is going to be sharing with the church, churches in Galatia the fact that these outsiders have come in, and, and they had given... Um, all the churches in Galatia were filled with people who had given their hearts to Christ. And now people come in and they start adding rules. They start adding laws. They start adding rituals on top of it. And Paul's heart and concern for him is one where he says, I want you to remember the knowledge that Jesus Christ has come to transform your lives. And what we're going to find out today is this. God cares a whole lot more about our hearts then he does what's on the outside and, and what people see. And so as we look in today, Paul is going to be coming into this with a passion. In fact, some, some uh, um, skeptics have looked at this and said, Paul is coming off aggressive or harsh. But what we see in the heart of the apostle Paul is that he's not coming at him harsh or critical. He's coming at him with a heart that says, it really matters that you love Jesus Christ with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength. It matters the fact that the world sees that there's a difference in you. And that's really the heart of what we're going to be looking at today is the fact of the difference between living in the light and living in darkness. And so what we're going to look at, one of our first points before we jump into our scripture, and you can turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 26, is that when we live in the freedom of the light, we produce the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, people are going to start, they're going to be able to notice that there's something different about you. Your action and your tones when others wrong you is going to be different. Your heart with your family is going to be different. I'm so blessed by so many of you in this room. And as I pray for my students and as I pray for you guys, my heart is that we would learn to really love and know Jesus Christ, not just follow rituals or, or rogue things, but we would have a heart that says, God, I just want to honor you. And so we know that this freedom that we found in Christ is going to produce a change in us. We're going to have four main points that we're going to look at this morning. And the first three verses that we're going to look at today act as a segue between the first part of this chapter 
and into a warning for young believers not to fall into temptation of living under the law, but into an example that says, Holy Spirit, would you teach me? Would you guide me? Would you make me more like you? And so we're going to look at starting in verse 13. And Apostle Paul says this. He says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Paul, Paul fills this, this, this segue part, and, and scholars go back and forth whether the, the, this part, these few verses were meant to go with the parts that we're going to be looking at later, or if it was the end of the first part. But either way, Paul's heart is saying, I, I want you to know that you're set free, and that freedom means that we should live differently. So our first point today is this. Because of the gift of the cross, we are set free. Now, a, a few years ago, um, I had the opportunity, Meg and I were sitting back, and how many of you have ever just watched your kids play or watched children play, and they're just free, right? Like, it, it's amazing. You know, things that when I was, was growing up or teenager, I, I wouldn't have found exciting. I love watching my kids run around the house and play together, and I don't enjoy cleaning after it, but I enjoy watching them play, and there's a sense of freedom. There's a sense of awe. There's a sense of, of just not being burdened by the cares of this world. And the apostle Paul is telling him, listen, the hope that we have in Christ frees us from that. That we don't have to live constrained by our sin. We don't have to live constrained by the things that hold us or, or, or the things that bring us down. And one of the things that watching my kids play in their freedom, as Meg and I talked about it, was the fact that we can have that same freedom in Christ. I don't know about you, but praise God I don't have to carry around the burdens of the things I've done in the past. And, and I'm not constrained by the fact that, that who I am today, I hope, isn't who I am tomorrow. Because Christ is constantly transforming us. And he's changing us. But we need to remember that this freedom came at a cost. And the cost was God's own son giving his life for us. That's what we celebrate during Christmas time. Now Paul goes on to say, we're called to be free from the law, but we're not to abuse this freedom. Diedrich Bonhoeffer was a great theologian and scholar, and he actually ended up giving his life during the time of the Holocaust. And He wrote a book called The Cost of Discipleship, where he details what it means to be truly a follower of Jesus. And yes, by God's grace we're saved, but it makes us that we are compelled to change, to be conformed more into the image of God. And Dietrich Bonhoeffer has to talk, says this. First of all, grace is something that we, we can't earn on our own, right? It's the unmerited forgiveness of God in our lives. But he says this. Cheap grace, Bonhoeffer says, is to hear the gospel preached as follows. Of course you have sinned, but everything is forgiven. So you can stay as you are, enjoy the consolations of forgiveness. But the main defect of such a proclamation is it contains no demand for discipleship are called to really follow the Holy Spirit. In contrast to costly grace, co is, is costly grace. Costly grace confronts us as gracious, as a gracious call to follow Jesus. It comes with a word of forgiveness to the broken spirit and the contrite heart. It is costly because it compels us to submit to the yoke of Christ. And it is grace because Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
In Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 2, we, we continue on, and Paul says this. He says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? Now, this background uh, is one of the most painful pictures for me, other than uh, watching the Browns for the past, like, 15 years up until now, right? Um, but, but if you look at this picture, what are they doing? Pulling weeds, right? And, and, and for me, um, a lot of times in the past, I've just tried to hack off the top of the weed. What happens? It grows right back, right? It, it comes back. It's not actually dead. And it continues to take root. And in fact, it kills and it stifles the plants around it. Our sin is just like that. That if we don't say, Holy Spirit, I need you to root this out. I need you to take this. Then we're not going to really produce fruit that really honors God. You want God to use your life, then you get just say, God, I want to give you complete control of me. Lord, you can have every part of me. And what happens is, it's not us that are pulling up the weeds. Jesus reaches in and he starts to take out the dead in our life because he has more for us. He says that I have come that you may have life and you may have everlasting. And so there's things in our life that start to change. And so the Apostle Paul says that we shouldn't go back and forth, but we're supposed to allow God's Spirit to come in and to kill those areas of your roots. For you and I, this might be asking God, Lord, what areas are in my life that don't honor you? Lord, what are areas that maybe there's darkness in there that, that when I look back and I reflect, they don't point people to God. They don't point people to you because well, you and I are the image bearers of Jesus Christ, that you might be the only Bible that other people ever see. And a lot of times in my life, I'm convicted over that, the fact that how am I treating people? Now, the next thing that Paul mentions in our text is this, that God cares more about loving our neighbors than he does about us winning trivial arguments. Church, do we live in a divided culture and world? Is there divisions within the church even on some of this stuff? <laughs> you believe it, but one thing we shouldn't be divided on is the fact that we're only saved by Jesus Christ. That only by his love, only by his power, only by his grace can we find freedom. And that's the message the world needs to hear. And so when I look at this, I, I'm convicted in my heart because everyone has different opinions on how to handle the virus or how to live or how to raise our kids or what is appropriate, what party you should vote for. But at the end of the day, am I pointing people back to the cross? 1 John 4.19 says this, We love because he first loved us. We're able to do this not on our own strength, but because God has poured his love into us. And earlier in, our, 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 in Romans 5.5, 5, it says this, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our heart through the Holy Spirit who, who has been given to us. Praise God. We don't have to do this on our own. It's, it's God working. The next uh, part we're going to look at is the fact that God cares more about us loving our neighbors than he does about us winning trivial arguments, which I just said. So, good, we got that point down twice. We should have that one locked down now. As we continue on to the next section of verses, in verses 16 through 18, the apostle Paul goes on and he starts talking about living by the Spirit, not gratifying the flesh. The fact that, here's the great thing, that God changes us. I remember growing up and feeling so overwhelmed by these people that I thought were spiritual giants. You might be, be there too, where you just think, you know what, I'll, I'll never be like them. Guess what? They didn't get there overnight. It's Jesus changing us and letting his spirit come in and, and work in our lives. And in my personal life, 
I can tell you the people who made the biggest impacts, I don't actually remember a whole lot of their messages or what they said directly. But I remember God's word working in my life. I, I remember looking at their character and saying, that's a person I want to follow. Man, I want to be like Greg Carrick because he loves Jesus more than anything else. And he always said, I want us to be a youth group that loves God and loves others well. And I, I say the same thing in our youth group here. I want our church to be a church that loves God and loves others well. And starting in verse 16, Apostle Paul says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. One of the first things that we see in this passage here is that we are called to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. What does this mean? How does this play out for our lives? Well, by walking by the Spirit, we're talking about living in a life that we say, Jesus, you have control of my life. Jesus, here's my fault life. Jesus, I'm not going to do anything that's going to make me go away from you. And Lord, if I do, I'm going to be quick to repent and I'm going to ask you to, to put things in my life that fill me up more with you. One of the things that I'm becoming more and more aware of is the fact that this is a daily process. The Apostle Paul says in other parts of Scripture that we're to be transformed by the daily renewing of our minds. Each day I get up, I'd say, God, I need you to fill me with yourself. And sometimes I feel that conviction of, Dan, you're, you're, not, you're not really exemplifying the fruit of the Spirit. You're not, exact, you're, not, you're not living out what I'm calling you to do. And ultimately, our calling is to serve Jesus. Jesus, how would you have me handle the situation where my integrity is on the line? I know I could get away with something, but Lord, does it bring you honor? Do we ask ourselves these questions? How am I treating my wife and kids? How am I treating my mom and my dad? How am I treating my teachers? We talk about this all the time in youth group. Do your teachers see a difference in you? Do people, your coworkers, they see that, hey, this is someone who, who treats others with respect because they love the Lord Jesus? It is easy for me to sneak something and think that no one sees, but God knows everything. And when I'm living in sin in an area, it stops me from feeling the full blessing of God. When we say, though, God, I want to live according to my flesh and live according to my word and, and what I think is right, then I'm not living according to his spirit. I'm living according to my flesh. I'm saying, saying God, I know best, and can I tell you, I've never been fulfilled with that. I've never met one person on their deathbed that says, if only I had lived a little bit more for myself. What I have met is people that said, I wish I would have spent more time with God. I wish I would have told more people about him. Here's the great thing, church, is that God's spirit dwells in us, and he leads us and guides us. I love this. Uh, A.B. Simpson, in his, books, Day, or his book, Day of Heaven Upon Earth, says this. This is our high calling to represent Christ and to act in his behalf and in his character, in his spirit, under all circumstances, towards all men. Yes, that means that the person that is difficult in your life, God is saying, listen, I want you to act on my behalf because my spirit dwells in you and you are my child. When, when, when you're dealing with situations that seem overwhelming, we go to him and say, God, help me to represent you. And we can't often, we can't do this on our own. But whether we're walking in flesh or by the Spirit, we are representing Christ to the world that doesn't know him. 
So for you and I, what kind of representation are we showing? The next point is that when we are walking in the Spirit, we do not give easily into temptations. We don't allow sin to grab hold of our hearts. And, and so as we look at this, we can't be having walk around having a tangible relationship with God where God's changing us and we're growing and we're moving spiritually and yet we're allowing these areas of our life. Maybe for you it's, it's hatred or it's, or, or it's anger or it's bitterness. It, may, it might even be bitterness towards God. And there's times in my life where I would say, God, would you remove this? This is this isn't of you. And usually, more than not, it's, it's happened reluctantly. And then when I give it over to him, I'm amazed at the freedom and joy that is found in, in serving Jesus Christ faithfully. We walk in the Spirit, too, as, as, as Paul says in verse 16, we do not gratify the desires of the flesh. That doesn't mean you're not going to be tempted. That doesn't mean there's not going to be trials in your life. But what it means is you're saying, God, I'm choosing to follow you first. I'm choosing to say, God, I, I need you. I want to follow you. Now, Paul isn't writing this out of place of pride or arrogance. In fact, if you look at his life in Romans chapter 7, he goes on to say, hey, the things I want to do, I don't. And the things that I do, I don't want to do. And, and oh, wretched man am I. And he talks about this. And I think we've all been there that, that we think, oh, man, why am I making the same mistakes over and over again? I don't know about you, but have you, do, you, do you feel that at times? Right? My kids stress me out and oh, okay, next time they do this, I'm, I'm not going to lose my temper. And then they run through and they do the same thing. Right? And then I'm wondering, why, man, why are they sinners? Well, I'm a sinner, right? Like, like they, they're copying me. And, and when we look at God's word, though we know we can trust him. And the apostle Paul is saying this shouldn't be. But here's where, where he goes, though, in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. He says, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Praise God that when God looks at me, he doesn't see fallen, broken sinner Dan Kenyon. He sees his son because Jesus has taken my place upon the cross. But because Jesus has taken my place upon the cross, I am representing him and I'm saying, God, I want to honor you. God, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this thing. Man, if you're a student in high school or middle school, it is hard to honor Christ, but it is worth it. I'm so blessed to have people in this room that I got to, to grow with and I got to pour into and, and, and see them living out for Christ. And I can tell you, not only does it bring joy to my heart, but I see God using them. We've got to ask ourselves, do we want God to use us? And in, in Matthew 6, 24, I know it's talking about money, but um, in, in that passage, Jesus says, no one can serve two masters. You either hate one or love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. It is impossible to serve both the Spirit and God and our flesh. One will always win. Every single time it's going to happen. You, some of you guys might know the old Bob Dylan song, You Gotta Serve Someone, right? I'm not going to sing it, all right? Uh, I don't have that, that raspy of a voice for singing there. But, but in, in that song, he says, It might be the devil, it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve someone. For each of us in this room, it's a daily decision of who are we going to serve. And nine out of nine times, uh, that's not usually a number that you know, we go with this, it's usually me. And my flesh, I'm going to say, God, I'm, I'm just going to serve myself. But God's saying, listen, if you say, 
Lord, I want to serve you. Guess what? My life is not boring. Anyone who serves the Lord, their life is not boring. But what it says is, God, I'm going to, I'm going to care about the things that you care about. And in Galatians 5.17, Paul makes it clear that you can't say that you're going to serve God and live for the flesh. And I remember in high school, right out of high school, uh, my best friend, him and I were talking, and he had went to church with me, had grown up with me, and, and I sat down with him. I said, brother, like, I'm looking at your life, and you're filling yourself up with getting drunk all the time, with as many women as you can get, with, with fulfilling yourself with that. Don't you know God has more for you? And he turned to me and said, listen, I know that God wants me to serve him. I know that God wants me to follow him and give up the stuff. But right now, I'm going to live for myself. And then in a few years, I'm going to give my life to Christ. Do you know that never happened? Some of us are being fooled by the devil to think that we can pick and choose when we want to serve God. And it doesn't work. God wants our hearts. He wants all of us. So our next point is if we allow the Holy Spirit to lead our lives, though, we're not under the law, but we're under God's grace. Praise God the fact that we've been forgiven, we've been redeemed. But what we find out is that then God wants us to live like it. Right? We don't want to continue on. I never look at my kids and say, wow, I really hope that they're mediocre at best. Like, I, no, no parent says that, right? No parent looks at their kids and says, oh, man, I just hope that they continue to stumble and fall. No, I say, God, would you use Nehemiah and Evelyn and Ellie? Would you help them to love you? Would you, would you help them to follow you? And nothing brings joy to my heart like seeing them serve God. And I realize for some of us in this room that is a painful statement because the truth of the matter is that we each have our own free will and I have family members who don't serve God today and you might have those in your household as well. And that doesn't mean that necessarily that you failed. It means that, that, that they're not walking with God and we need to pray for them. But what kind of examples are we setting in our own hearts with that? And then the next section that, that Paul moves on, he describes the acts of the flesh. And, 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 and in Galatians 5, 19 through 21, and we'll put them up on the screen there, you, you see all these acts up here, and these are deeds of the darkness. These are the things that, that we indulge in in the flesh, things that separate us from the relationship with God that we're meant to have. And Paul looks at these things, and he's telling this young church in, in, churches in Galatia, listen, this is this is what you need to stay away from. When you start thinking that you can earn your way to heaven and that there's different standards, guess what? And you start moving away from God's presence into your flesh, it's easier to fall into these. But living in the deeds of darkness is contrary to the Spirit of God. I love hearing Pastor Jim preach because he almost always says at some point, I just want to honor God. We look back at our lives, can we say that about this past week? Can we say that about today? And that's a question that we need to ask ourselves daily. But, but when we're living in darkness, it's contrary to the speak, uh, Spirit of God. The deeds of the, the flesh or darkness go against the very nature of God and His very core existence, and we are called to represent the living and true God. Yet Jesus bore us in a shame upon the cross so that we can... can don't, not so we can continue in our sin, but so that we could be free from it. If those who yield to the desires instead of the grace and forgiveness of Christ could only know the blessings that flow from truly following him. 
rather than getting mad or angry, saying, God, I just want to be filled with your love. I want to honor you. For those of us that claim the name of Christ, this is a bold reminder to us that if we wear the name of Christ, that we should not partake in these activities. We should not be involved in it. And A.W. Tozer says this. He says, if you do not yield and honor the Holy Spirit, your life will not show forth the blessed fruit of the Spirit. What he's saying here is this. If you want God to use you, surrender everything. And guess what? There's times that the enemy will come back and say, listen, but I know what you did in the past. Like, like I know who you are. And that's when you say, yeah, that's who I used to be. But praise God, based on Romans 8, 1, there's no condemnation for me because Jesus Christ stands at, before the Father in our defense. And we keep coming back to that over and over again and clinging to the cross. And as we look at that then, the first thing that we see in this, in this section of scripture is the acts of the flesh are obvious, right? Like no one needs to tell me when I'm doing something wrong. No one needs to tell me when I'm sinning because the Holy Spirit actually brings conviction in our life. It doesn't matter who you are and those that are angry at God or claiming he's not real because they've been hurt or because they, they don't want to follow these, his plan for their life. No one had to teach my kids how to sin, right? Like it came, comes pretty naturally. Came pretty naturally for me too. But when I look at it, I say, God, you know my heart. Search me. Show me what areas I need to get rid of. And in verse 21, the Apostle Paul says, those who live in darkness will not inherit the kingdom of God. The scariest words in all scripture come from Jesus' words when he says, depart from me, I never knew you. The apostle Paul here though is making it as clear as possible that, that ultimately a life apart from Jesus really means that there's this real physical, tangible, terrible hell that Jesus actually says he wishes that none would perish and go to. That's why Jesus late lived a sinless, perfect life and died on the cross for you and I and rose again because he wishes that none would go there. But you can't say, Jesus, I just want to live for myself. I'm not going to follow you. I'm not going to accept your grace and your forgiveness and expect that there's not consequences. But here's the great thing. Jesus took the consequences for us. Amen? But in light, what can we give back to him? Paul is reminding them that the life of self-fulfillment and indulgence is one that leads them to destruction. But God is so much more for them. His spirit is sufficient for all they need. We looked at, at John 1.5 a lot over the past few weeks. And, and it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. Friends, if you say, Jesus, would you fill me with your light? Would you fill me with your spirit? Guess what? He's going to shine light into those areas that you need to change. And each of us, it's a different thing. But Jesus is able to speak into those areas. And after going and explaining to the church of Galatia uh, the, the dangers of living in the flesh, Paul then is encouraging them of the blessings of the fruit of the Spirit, the blessings of following Jesus. I think a lot of times when we share the gospel, we're all, we, we don't share the blessings of what it means to follow God. I don't know about you, but my life is better because I follow Jesus. Not that I'm perfect, not that everything is easy, but I'm not alone. His spirit lives inside me and dwells me, and, and, and it should make us different. If you want to make a true impact for Jesus and in this world, 
We have to allow his spirit to work. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 for 26 is the, the last passage of scripture we're going to look at here today. And Paul says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness and self-control against such things there is no law and those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified in the flesh with its passions and desires since we live by the spirit let us keep in step with the spirit let us not become conceited provoking or envying one another now earlier this week I'll have to admit I had a time where where I I was frustrated. I was discouraged. I was just, man, Monday, Monday, I was like the Grinch, right? Like a few days before Christmas, my, my attitude was awful. And in the middle of, of something, and I'll just be honest, in, in, in the middle of, 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 of being here working on something, God convicted my heart. Dan, how are you exemplifying the fruits of the Spirit right now? Are, are you being gracious? Are you being kind? Are you doing this because you love me? Or are you doing this because you want to please yourself? And can I tell you that when I relinquished that and said, God, I need you to forgive me. I want to honor you. A peace came over me. We're going to sing a song in a few minutes. Peace has come, and that's come in the form of Jesus. But true peace comes when we surrender to his will and say, Jesus, I, I, I need to give you all of me. And that might look different for how it plays out in each of our lives, but I realized I allowed the flesh to take over me, and the things that were in my heart weren't representing who Christ truly is. Now, I don't think anyone really noticed on the outside what was going on. Maybe they did, if I don't have a great poker face. But on the inside, I was not honoring Jesus. It is important for us to realize that God has given us the ability and calling to represent that we've been crucified to ourselves and that we have taken place in, in his plan. At that moment, the Holy Spirit began to take control of my life and my thoughts and my attitude started to change. One of my all-time favorite songs is Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. And it says this, Turn your eyes upon Jesus and the things of earth will become strangely dim as you look into the light of his glory and grace. There's peace when we walk in the Spirit. And fourth, when we... When we keep in step with the Spirit, we produce fruit that honors God. How many of you want to just say, God, would you use me? What would it look like for Hope Church in 2021 if we were a group of people that said, God, whatever you have for me, I'm here. Maybe you're here today or you're listening and you don't have that relationship with God. And Jesus is saying, listen, I love you and I want you to, I want you to know me. And maybe there's things that you're afraid to give up or surrender, but God's saying, hey, listen, I, I, I love you. It's this gracious, nurturing manner. It's not like when my kids make mistakes, I don't just go, well, that was really stupid. Like, you deserved it, right? Like, sometimes we may think that in our flesh, but we don't do that, right? We help them out. We care for them. The Holy Spirit is there to lead and guide us, but he also takes very serious sin in our lives. But he's gracious and merciful. Church, do people notice that there's something different about us? Not in a weird or hokey way, but that we generally have care for other people, that we live for him, do we, people see us with joy and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Church, what would it look like if our community knew us more for what we're for than what we're against? And church, I really feel like we do a good job doing that, but in my own heart, I have a long way to go. 
Praise God, I'm not the same person I was when I was seven years old and gave my life to Christ. I'm not the same person I was last year. I'm not the same person I was yesterday because God's continually changing me. But it's continually surrendering to him. When we are exemplifying the fruit of the Spirit and we are reflecting the heart of God in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation. As we read early in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. And I get excited to think about what this means because for you and I, we don't often think about the fact that others are watching from the outside. They're seeing, hey, what is the heart and nature of this creator? What is the heart and nature of this Jesus they talk about? Is he real? And you and I might be the only Bible that people ever see. Now, that doesn't mean that we aren't going to make mistakes, that we're not going to fall, that we're not going to stumble. But what this means is that we have hearts that God would, I just want to honor you. And those who belong to Christ Jesus, as Paul says in verse 24, have been crucified with the passions, or with the flesh, and with its passions and desires. Maybe today there's things in your heart that you say, you know, I need to surrender to Jesus. I need to give these things over to him because I can't care anymore and there's not freedom carrying around that baggage. And what verse 24 means to us is the fact that it's God that does the work. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We read that in 1 John 1, 9 and that is key because guess what? God is able to cleanse us and, and, and make us righteous not because of anything that we've done but because of what he did upon the cross. And Paul in this section is telling us that how we are to walk in the spirit. He's encouraging the churches in Galatia to not go backwards. Church, don't go backwards. Christ paid way too much for that. He loves you way too much and he has way too much of a plan for your life to go back to the same things that we read in scripture. It's like a dog returning to his vomit. It's a gross analogy, but, but we see in scripture, it's because God has more for us to keep leaning into his grace, to allowing his gifts to flow from us and that we would reach a hurting and dying world. And lastly, the spirit-filled believer is not conceited, but realizes that the spirit of God is sufficient for them. That means that we're not going privately and saying, listen, I'm so much better than that person, but we're realizing that, but by the grace of God, that's where I would be, and that's where I once was. The Bible says that we have all gone astray, that we're all lost without Christ, but Jesus has more for us. And I want to encourage you here, Brennan Manning in his book, Rag and Muffin Gospel, says this, By loving the unlovable, Christ has made me lovable. You might be here today thinking, you know what, I'm outside of God's love and grace. There's no way he could love me. And I want to tell you, Jesus is standing here today and he's knocking and saying, listen, I died for you. I love you. I care for you. You might, you might have, be, have been a believer for a long time and just think, you know what, God, I don't really represent you well. You know what? Maybe today's the day you turn that around and say, Jesus, I want to surrender everything to you. I want to follow you. I want my kids, I want my family to know something has changed from this point on because one of the biggest lies from the pit of hell is the fact that we can't change and that if we, we put things out there and people know us as one way, well, that's just how they're always going to know us. I believe that God transforms. I believe Jesus changes. But are we willing to say, Jesus, I want to be spirit-led. I want to produce the fruit of your spirit because I want to follow you. Lord Jesus, I pray that this morning that as we get ready to leave here, 
Lord, I pray that this morning that this would not be a discouraging message or, or upsetting, but Lord, that this would be just a real message where we are looking at your word and what it says, God, that, that you want to change us. You want to transform us. Lord, I thank you so much the fact that you show me your grace in so many areas I don't deserve. But yet, Lord, you're making me new. You're making us more like you. Lord, I pray that as, as a hope church at Hope, that we would be people that honor you. Lord, I pray for the person in this room this morning who says, I, I've never had a relationship with Jesus Christ and, and this whole reality of a real tangible hell. I, I, I don't like that concept. Or maybe they're tired of running around and trying to do things on their own. And you're saying, today's the day I want to give you the true freedom that comes by only knowing Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that right now in their hearts that you would speak to them. And if that's you today, I want to encourage you just to say, say these simple words in your heart. Just say, dear Jesus, I admit that I've sinned. I admit that I've done things that are wrong. But I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to make me a new person. And I want to live for you. Jesus, I give you complete control of my life. In your precious name, amen. And church, if you did that today, if you're here today and you, you, you need prayer to come and talk to us. But church, remember that we are representing the holy and true and living God and his spirit leads and guides us.